I grew up in a really conservative, immigrant-led Korean church. And I can recall a time when um, I had to join my parents for the adult service. Like, they had to take all the kids out of Sunday school. So we all sat with the adults during the service. And, you know, I, I grew up in this church setting, and I hated the adult service. I talked a little bit about it last week because at least in Sunday school, we had games and crafts and songs and body motions. But the adult service was just so lame right? All the adults would sing. They would have stoic expressions. They would sing these hymns in dark or in really low voices. And I would just be so bored during that time. It looked like no one was having fun. By the way, I totally respect their expression of worship. It's just as a kid, I thought it was so dull. And then the sermon time came. And for the longest time growing up in my church, I thought my pastor was actually God. Um, He never said that. He wasn't a cult leader. It's just as a kid, there's this old Korean man with white flowy hair and a white beard and a white robe that comes into the room. And you can't help but think, okay, that's God. Obviously, that's who this Bible's talking about. And every time God, the pastor, spoke, like he just never smiled. And so I always felt like he was angry. In the middle of his sermon, I swear he'd always just look at me. And he's preaching in Korean, so I have no idea what he's saying, but I just feel like he's condemning me to hell. I don't know. I just didn't like it. And I remember having the distinct thought, Church is so lame. I hate being here. And I remember one such time when I was with my parents in that joint service, the pastor distinctly said something that alarmed my heart to a great degree. He said, enjoy your time worshiping together with the saints because heaven is going to be like a never ending church service. And in my mind, I was like, no because this doesn't feel like heaven. It feels like hell, just to be real. And I think for a lot of us for years, even though I knew heaven was good and it's supposed to be what I want, it's supposed to be where I want to be in the back of my mind, if I were very real, I couldn't help but think heaven seems boring. Have you guys been there? If, if heaven really is a never-ending church service, which by the way, it is not, Um, I would not want to be there. It sounds a lot more like hell to me. Until I heard this teaching on Revelation 4, which is what we're going to dive into today. You know, those who say that the Bible is really dull and boring have obviously never read through the entire Bible. And today's passage is such a passage that will make you look at the Bible and say, dang, the Bible is crazy. There's some wild stuff in here. So I'm just going to read this entire section. We're going to open up to Revelation chapter 4. And get ready. This, this sounds like something straight out of Josh Garello's mind. It's that strange, okay? It says this. After, I, after this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me, like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. Now surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their head. Now from the throne come flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. And in front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. 
Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. And in the center around the throne, my favorite part, were four living creatures and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third was, had a face like a man. And the fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And whenever the creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will, they were created and have their being. Just in case you don't grasp the ridiculousness of this, I, I found some images on Google that are trying to capture this, okay? And this doesn't, this probably is not what it looks like at all. Can you show the next one? I really like the next one, right? It's this really bizarre image of heaven. It's a glimpse of what's happening around the throne room. Take it off. People are getting scared, Isaac. Take it off. It's a glimpse of what's going on in the heavens in the throne room of God. And there we find four living creatures and each of them have six wings and each has a different face, one with an ox, a lion, um, a man, and an eagle. And they're constantly covered in eyeballs all over their bodies, right? And they're saying again and again, just repeating this one thing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And as they're saying this, there are 24 elders around the throne of God. And whenever they say, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the 24 elders fall to the floor and throw their crowns before God. And they begin worshiping him. This just repeats over and over and over and over again. Now, whether you think this is literally what's happening or not, you, you would have to agree with me in saying this is really weird, right? This is such a bizarre image. Why is Pastor Mickey preaching from this message? It's so on brand, right? And I used to think this, first of all, when I thought about this picture, I used to think, God, like, first of all, what were you on when you created these living creatures? Like, I'm partially impressed, but I'm also partially freaked out, but I'm also partially baffled. Like, why? What is the purpose of this image that you're giving us in Scripture? But then I heard a teaching about this very image, about what's going on in the throne room of God that just literally opened my eyes, my two eyes, not my thousands of eyes. <laughs> why are these creatures covered in eyeballs? You got to ask, why would God create four living creatures with eyeballs? Like literally they're lifting their wing flaps and there's an eyeball down. Like everywhere you can, there are just eyeballs galore. Why? Why do these creatures have so many eyeballs? unlimited perspective of him who sits on the throne. In other words, they need that many eyes just to behold the glory and the beauty and the fullness of who God is. Because look, anywhere that these creatures turned, they had a perspective of God. 
Every time they lifted and flapped their wings, they had a perspective of God. Even just shifting and turning a little bit, posturing themselves a little differently brought a new perspective of the one who sits on the throne. And each time they behold something new about God, they begin saying, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. And it's not, you know, I used to imagine this and they're just like for eternity, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. No, what it is, is they see something about God that they've never seen before with one of their many eyes. And because they see something that beautiful, that new, that glorious, they have to respond, holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is to come. And it's like every time they say, holy, 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 it's like a new song, a new expression of worship that's coming out of their mouths. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, first of all, this is hella weird. But secondly, you're still thinking in the back of your mind, boring. Like, I don't want to spend all of eternity just before God with these weird creatures in the air and just saying, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. But you're not getting it. Like, check this out. This isn't, oh, oh yeah, God, he's, he's good. Amen. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. It's not like, oh yeah, yeah, God, he's mighty. Amen. Holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. Imagine the most beautiful thing that you've ever seen. And we talked about it before service. Imagine the most beautiful thing that you feel like your eyes have ever beheld. And I'm not talking about, wow, that dress is so beautiful or that car is beautiful or that person on my dating app that popped up yesterday that I swiped is beautiful. I'm not talking about that kind of beautiful. I'm talking about breathtaking beauty. Like the kind of beauty where you have to say, wow. Like the kind of beauty that, that ushers you into the sense of wonder and awe. Maybe it's that view from that epic hike that you took in another country. Maybe it was your wife walking down the aisle. Maybe it's that starry sky that you saw while you were camping that one night. I have a friend named Carrie who told me that the most beautiful thing she had ever seen, and none of us are going to top this ever in our lives. She was in Alaska, and it was the time of the Northern Lights, the Aurora Borealis. And so the, the, the sky lit up and it was green and all sorts of beautiful shades. The sky was completely clear. There were all these stars. She, saw, she said she even saw some shooting stars. And she was with her friend and they were in a jacuzzi just looking at this expanse. They're drinking champagne. And then all of a sudden, even though there were no clouds, she doesn't know how this happened. It started snowing. And so she's there in a jacuzzi with her champagne. It's snowing. She's looking at the aurora borealis. She's looking at the stars. And she said she couldn't help but a tear rolled down her eye. I would be profusely weeping. She definitely under-responded. For me, one of the most beautiful thing that I've ever experienced was our honeymoon. We went to the Amalfi Coast, which, by the way, is where Brad and Jennifer honeymooned. Anyway, we were at the Amalfi Coast, and there's this one stretch of the, the land where you're driving. It's a scenic drive. And to your left is the water, and to your right are these beautiful buildings, beautiful houses, as well as like this expansive cliff. And as we drive, every turn, you know, you turn and you can't see what's coming until you make that turn. I remember we were going into a tunnel, coming out of a turn, and then when we got out of the tunnel, 
It was so beautiful that literally my eyes started welling up with tears and I wasn't saying anything. We, we just happened to be listening to epic, beautiful soundtrack music too. And Chris and I didn't say anything to each other, but we started looking at each other and both of us have tears in our eyes. They're coming down our face. And then each turn was like even more beautiful. It was like we turn again. Whoa! And we just started bawling because it was so beautiful. Have you ever experienced something beautiful like that? Maybe you didn't cry, but there was a sense that it's taking my breath away. It's that awe-inspiring. It, it gives me a sense of wonder. See, what we're talking about here, whatever your most beautiful experience was like, imagine every time you see God, it's like that, but even better. It's like that, on steroids, whatever you're discovering about God is, it's not like a good sermon point where it's just like, amen, pastor. It's like when you see something beautiful and it's breathtaking beauty, it's awe inspiring revelation. That's what's going on here. And not only that, but every time you look at him, it's a new thing that you're seeing. It's like, imagine the most beautiful thing that you saw. And the next thing you see is just as beautiful, if not more, but it's completely different. And not only that, nothing is ever repeated. It's just new thing after new thing, breathtaking beauty after breathtaking beauty, new dimensions of his beauty again and again and again. See, we don't have eyeballs all over our bodies, but every time we see something new about God that takes our breath away, it's as if our eyes are opened in a new way. But here's the powerful thing. These creatures, these weird creatures, they've been doing this for thousands of years, yet they're still discovering new things about God. Why? Because the beauty of God is inexhaustible. We'll never reach the end of him. Eternity isn't even long enough to contain all of who he is. Yet so often we come here to church, we open scriptures, we hear sermons, and we feel like we we. We know all there is to know about God, don't we? Like we get bored. I already heard that sermon, Pastor Mickey. I already heard that song, Math City, just recycling at this point. I already know he's good. What more is there? You know, I've known Krista now for, how long has it been? It's been like 14 years. I've known her for 14 years. Sorry. Oh, she took my breath away. 14 years, and we've been married for six years now. And even to this day, we're still discovering new things about each other. You know, this is why we tell couples all the time, the wedding is not the end goal of your relationship. It's only the beginning of your adventure together. And the adventure is this. It's a lifelong pursuit of continuing to discover one another. Like you'll never get to the end of another human being. Human beings are just too deep, too complex for that. Here, I have some fun scientific facts. These are going to blow you away. Did you know? Okay, did you know that your lungs are like a series of tunnels? And if they were all stretched out flat, your lungs are bigger than a tennis court. Not crazy. You have a tennis court inside of you every time you breathe. Here's another one. Did you know that your nervous system, if you were to stretch out your entire nervous system out into one line, do you know how long it would stretch? It would stretch 45 miles long. Not crazy. And so you can never say, you know, you have no nerve. You literally have 45 miles of nerve inside of you. Did you know that your cardiovascular system, the little veins and capillaries and such, if they were stretched out in one long line, do you know how long it would be? 
60,000 miles long. If you were to stretch out your cardiovascular system, all your veins, and line it in one single line, you know how long that is? That's two and a half times around the earth. Here's the last one. This one blew my mind. Did you know that every adult human has about 6.5 feet lengths of DNA strands in them in each of their 37.2 trillion cells. So within each of their 37.2 trillion cells, there's about a 6.5 foot length of DNA strand in each one of them. And if all your DNA could somehow be bunched up, it would only fit into the size of about an ice cube. But if it were all stretched out in one line and strung together It would stretch from the earth to the sun and back 70 times. Isn't that crazy? That's just all inside this, all inside this body. And there's more inside of us than we'll ever know, not just the biological part of who we are. That's not even taking into account the mental and the emotional and the spiritual depths of each and every human being. What am I getting at here? If we as creations are this expansive, how much more the creator? If we, even the lifetime is not enough to fully grasp the biology and the spiritual and the emotional and the mental depths of a human being, how much more the creator throughout eternity. All this to say, we'll never reach the end of God. Heaven is not a never ending, boring church service. It's a never ending adventure of discovering new things about God again and again, breathtaking experiences of his beauty again and again. And so one thing that I do want to draw from this, if we could take away one thing from this weird story, it's this. You will always worship at the level of your revelation. Let me say that again. You will always worship at the level of your revelation. And the most extravagant worshipers aren't those who are the most expressive or the most musically skilled, like Anthony Davis back there, who goes by, you go by Vernell now, right? Ever since he became an artist, he got to go by Vernell, but he's Anthony to me. But even the most expressive or the most talented musicians doesn't make an extravagant worshiper. What, what, what's an extravagant worshiper? What do they do that's so different? It's simply this. It's simply those who are able to see the beauty of God and can't help but respond. When I was at the Amalfi Coast, I didn't need to will myself to say, wow. Like, I didn't need to try to squeeze tears out of my tear ducts. It was just a natural response to beauty. I was just so captivated that my body knew what to do. Yesterday, Zion went to the California Academy of Sciences for the first time. And um, we took him to the aquarium. And this was him just looking at that giant aquarium. I was telling my worship team, though, this, this image is hella fake because actually he looked at the aquarium for one second and then he saw the iPad with all the information and he just went to the iPad. But the first time he saw this, the water and the fish in this giant aquarium, you could just see like this wide-eyed sense of wonder in his eyes. And you could see that he was just so mesmerized by the beauty of it all. We didn't have to teach him that. We didn't have to tell Zion, Zion, go up to the aquarium and look like this and go, oh, we didn't have to show him how to do that. It was his natural response to beauty. 
See, worship begins at revelation. When we see God's beauty, when we know God's heart, when we discover God's ways. And the question I want to ask you today is, have you been feeling like you've exhausted all of God's beauty lately? Like there's nothing more to discover. Like you come here to worship and you feel like you already know all there is to know about God. And there's not really anything that moves you the same way that it has before. Or even if there is, you just don't feel like you want it. Are you there? Have you stopped hungering for more saying, God, I, I want to discover more of your beauty. I want more of my eyes to be opened. Maybe the thing I want to suggest to you today is maybe you need to behold him again. Maybe you need to be captivated by his beauty once more. Maybe the goal isn't to just will yourself into more worship. Maybe the goal needs to be, I need a fresh revelation, God. I need to see you again. I need to see how beautiful you are. Hear me, church. I'm not here doing this dedicating my life to serving the church. I'm not doing all of this just because it's something I enjoy. That's so purposeless. I'm here because I've seen the beauty of Jesus. I've seen the beauty of Jesus, not only in my personal relationship, but I've seen it and expressed in the body. I've seen the beauty of Jesus in so many ways that I can't help but come back and serve that. Maybe what we need is to behold him again. And so for the rest of the time, I just want to conclude with this. Last week, we talked about the different postures of praise. We talked about the seven Hebrew words for praise and how they evoke different responses from God and all express different ways of loving him. But this week, I want to look at the four living creatures, my favorite. I hope someone gets a tattoo of these living creatures. I hope. I don't know. But this week, I want to look at the four living creatures, and we're going to draw from it four ways that we can actually behold God's beauty to refresh our worship, to refresh our love and our awe for him. And so we're going to look at the four living creatures. If you remember, can you throw up the living creatures again, man? The, The living creatures, each of them had six wings. They had eyes covering their entire body. And Revelation actually describes four different unique faces, right? The face of an ox, the face of a lion, the face of an eagle, the face of a man. The weird thing is uh, scholars can't agree if there are four different creatures with four different faces or if each creature has four rotating faces. They can't decide. No one knows. No one's seen the throne room, at least in this room. And so it's something like this. Actually, this, someone might have been on something making this one. But anyway, why don't we take that off? And so we're going to look at each of the faces and what they represent. Each of the faces are going to give us a unique way to approach God and behold God so that we can recapture the beauty of who he is. You ready, you ready for that? So we'll end with this. The first one is the face of an ox. And the ox beholds God through service. Right, The ox is a working animal. It, it's used for the plow. It's used for service. And so when you feel stale in worship, maybe one thing that you can try is stepping outside of yourself and going to someone to love on them. Is going to serve someone who is in need. Going to serve someone who is discouraged. Maybe it's the person across the room that looks discouraged. Maybe it's the person in the tent community down the street. Maybe it's the friend who you know is going through a tough time. Sometimes in serving one another, we get a new revelation of the beauty of God. 
you know, back um, at our last church, we used to serve with City Impact at least once every quarter. If you know City Impact, it's this amazing organization here in the Tenderloin in San Francisco. And they have these housing units for people um, to help them get on their feet and get off the streets. And what we would do is we'd just bring food. We'd bring meals to each of these houses and get to know the residents and get to talk with them and meet them and get to know them. And I remember talking to some of my church members after the experience of doing this one Sunday, and they came up to me and said, man, I just feel so fired up again. Like in serving someone, in helping someone, in loving someone, I just got this new glimpse of who God is, of his love. And sometimes this isn't enough. Sometimes you need to stop singing and you need to go love on someone. I tell all my worship team members this. I used to tell them all the time. Yo, you getting up here to worship doesn't excuse you from talking to people, being in people's lives. Like This is not what you're here for. And actually, as we serve and love one another, we can get a new glimpse of who God is. So that's the face of an ox, the face of a lion. The lion beholds God through battle. Here's the thing. I know we love to say all the time, we said it earlier, God, fight, God fights for me. God has won the battle. He goes before me. He's won on my behalf. All true, by the way. But did you know that there's a battle that you're called to fight as well? In 1 Timothy 6, 12, Paul encourages the church to fight the good fight of faith. What's he saying? He's saying your fight is not against your boss. Your fight is not against the person on the opposite political spectrum. Your fight isn't even against the devil himself. Did you know that? Your fight is not against the devil. Your fight is simply the fight to believe that God is all he says he is. Your fight is simply the fight to believe that God will do everything that he says he will do. Your fight is the fight of faith. It's to believe. You know, sometimes when we're stuck in worship, what we need to do is step outside of ourselves with the boldness of a lion to believe for something impossible. You know, I'm talking like stupid, ridiculous faith. You know what I'm talking about? I'm not talking about believing for a good parking spot or believing that uh, work is going to cater Mexican food this week. I'm talking about things that if fulfilled, like it, it can be no other explanation but God. Things that require courage, things that require faith, things that require risk. Some of us, we've never experienced miracles before because we've never put ourselves in situations where we need them. And when we take on the face of a lion, we step outside of ourselves and just believe for something ridiculous, like something impossible, something where we need God to move. That's the face of a lion. The face of an eagle. The eagle beholds God through focus. Did you know that eagles have an eyesight four to eight times stronger than the average human being? So get this. If you had the eyes of an eagle and you were on top of a 10-story building on the roof and you looked down to the floor, you could see an ant moving if you had the eyes of an eagle, right? Pretty cool. I wouldn't want that. That's kind of weird. But sometimes when you're stuck in worship, you need to just fix your eyes You need to actively search him out in a new and different way. And this can be through scripture sometimes. We see God through scripture. 
This can be through nature. We see God in nature. It can be through books. We see God in the books that we read. It can be through music or movies or TV shows. Y'all, I am a Pixar prophet, right? Every Pixar movie I see, I see like God's love radiating so brightly. This can be through hobbies, through exercise. Like, you know, Joseph and I met up this week and he was talking about when he's exercising, when he's leading people into these holistic body movements, he's able to experience the presence of God. In the same way, we are called to behold God in a new way outside of the typical realm of worship. When the Queen of Sheba in the Old Testament traveled all across the land to visit King Solomon's temple, it wasn't a sermon, wasn't a teaching, wasn't a Bible study that led her into an experience with God. You know what it was? It was the beauty of the temple. The craftsmanship, the architecture, the design, interior designers. You could lead people into the presence of God. That led her to praising the Lord. Sometimes God, he's hidden in unexpected places waiting to surprise us. Maybe this week, he's not speaking to you through this sermon. Maybe you're thinking, Pastor Mickey, you're right. If heaven is a never-ending church service at 99 while you're preaching, I don't want to be there. Right? Maybe it's not through the worship that we just sang. Maybe... It's in that friend that you meet up. Maybe it's on that hike that you're called to go to. Maybe it's in some place that you did not expect to find. Um, there's a Maverick City worship artist named Dante Bo. Recently in the church world, you know, I'm just a church nerd. I'm in the church world. In the church world, there's this controversy because Maverick City um, distanced themselves from the artist Dante Bo. And before they did this, there's a lot of speculation of what it might be. Um, Dante Bo had posted a video on his Instagram stories of their tour bus where he was mouthing the lyrics to a Bad Bunny song, and the Christian community was in an uproar. Like, you, you would think he had, like, cheated on his wife or something or, or done something, like, hor- no, the Christian community were, like, trying to get him canceled because he was mouthing the lyrics to a Bad Bunny song in Spanish, right? And people were so mad. It's like, oh my God, how can you listen to something that's not Christian? And you know, but the church is kind of like that, aren't we? How can you watch that? It's not Christian. How can you listen to that? It's not Christian. How limiting to think that we can only hear God's voice through Christian things. God can and will use anything in all of creation to speak to us as he pleases. In fact, in the Old Testament, there's a story about God speaking to someone through a donkey. You know, God literally spoke through an ass. And if he spoke through an ass, I'm sure he could speak through a song. He could speak through anything. For me, um, I love movies, and God really speaks to me a lot through movies that I watch. Um, I also really like horror movies, and God doesn't always speak to me through horror movies. Actually, he rarely does. But there's this one horror movie that I saw called The Babadook. And it's actually a terrifying movie, but it's actually a commentary on grief and the way that we deal with grief. And I remember after watching that movie, first of all, I was terrified and I was sweating, profusely, profusely sweating because I was on edge the whole movie. But at the end of it, I remember thinking, I just had this revelation that God, I have so much grief in my life, but the, even the grief, even the darkness is not too big for you, right? There, God can speak to us in unexpected ways, in unexpected places. We can get a new revelation of who he is, but sometimes we have to step outside our normal way of looking 
in our normal lanes and try to find God creatively in a new way. And so that's the face of an eagle. And last one is the face of a man. Not sure if it's a male or a female, but a man, a human is what it represents. The man beholds God through one another. Sometimes when you're stuck in worship, you need to ask God to show you his beauty in another person. Doesn't have to be your wife. Doesn't have to be your husband. See, out of every single thing God created in the known universe, we're the only ones that the Bible says bear the likeness. We're the only things in all of creation that God gave his likeness to. And so we're literally able to see the beauty of God in one another. You know, Alex, um, I don't think he's here today, but he had his birthday party here two days ago. And it's just so funny. I love that he had this epic Beyonce party here where we meet for church. And um, I think we can all agree, we love Alex. Like, Alex is so lovable. And I was just reminded, you know, every, every birthday that I'm aware of, sorry, I'm not on Facebook so much, so I don't remember all of your birthdays. But when I do see on social media it's someone's birthday, I, I take a moment and I pray for that person. I say, God, like, I just want to thank you for this person. If I get a word, I'll share it with them. But on Alex's birthday, I just remember thinking, man, I see so much of your beauty, God, in Alex. Like whenever I talk with him, when I walk, when, when I'm with him, I can just see your beauty. And I think sometimes when we need us, when, when worship is feeling stale, when singing, lifting our hands is not doing it for us, we just simply need to ask God, God, show me the beauty in someone in this community. Show me the beauty in someone in my life so that I could remember how big and how good and how loving you are. You see, I can't physically feel the embrace of God, but sometimes all I need is a hug from a friend and I can feel the arms of God that way, Right? We see God through one another. And sometimes this means asking God to show you his beauty in someone that you cannot stand. Like my favorite exercise that I love to do is um, I love all our church members, first of all. None of y'all annoy me. None of y'all get on my bad side. But, but if there ever were a church member in the future of 99 that were to come to those doors that I just don't like for whatever reason, um, the first thing I would do is I would ask God, God, show me who you see when you look at that person. By the way, this has never happened in the history of 99. None of you, like, I love all of you guys, okay? But if this were ever to happen, I would, I would look at that person and ask, God, what do you see when you look at that person? It's a new way of beholding God. Sometimes in seeing God in the people around us, we get a new revelation of who he is. And so if your worship is feeling stale, try on one of these faces. Try serving one another. Try helping someone. Try beholding God in a new way outside of the sermon or worship music. Try experiencing God through believing for ridiculous, stupid things. And try asking God to show you the beauty in the people around you. And these are ways that God could refresh our eyes so that we could behold his beauty once again. So right now, I want to get ready to respond in worship. So why don't we close our eyes as we get ready to end our time in response. As a worship team, y'all can come up. We're going to sing one more song. And as we do, I want you to ask God, um, out of these four faces, out of these four different approaches to seeing and beholding you, what's something that you're challenging me to do this week? Maybe this week God's calling you to try taking on the face of an ox. And maybe because your faith has been feeling stale, you just need to get out of yourself and serve someone. You need to stop saying, what do I need? Like, what I need this and that. You just need to step outside of yourself and help meet someone else's needs. I feel like in that experience, I just feel like you're going to experience God in a new way. Maybe for some of you, God's calling you to take on the face of a lion. 
And you just need to like believe for something ridiculous. You just need to believe for something that's just so impossible that if it were to happen, man, you would get a new revelation of God's beauty. Like, you know that God is powerful, but if he were to do this thing, if he were to move in this way, oh my God, I would have this a profoundly new revelation of your power. Maybe God's calling you to take on the face of an eagle, and this week, maybe he's challenging you to look for him in the things in your ordinary life. Maybe it's the music that you're listening to on Spotify. Maybe it's that walk that you're taking out in nature. Maybe it's the when you're at yoga class or exercising, maybe God's calling you to behold him a new way. Or maybe God's calling you to take on the face of a man. And he's calling you to look upon someone in your life and ask God, God, show me your beauty in this person. Show me how beautiful you are in the person to my left or my right. I just need to see you.